0: You're listening to the Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am.
1: Hi guys, Trent Fleskins here, your host as always of the Perth Properties Show. I trust you've been listening along for the last few weeks. It's been getting super exciting in Perth. Things are starting to happen. Things are starting to move and I trust you are educating yourself, getting ready for that next purchase. This morning is interior design morning again. We've got Kelly Donica from 13 interiors back in the room. Kelly, thank you.
0: Thanks for having me again.
1: Today we are talking about mistakes. I think we've all made a few over our time. We We only learn from (laughs) our mistakes. And I think those mistakes change over time because what was cool 10 years ago Might not be cool anymore. So in 2019, we're going to talk about what mistakes you might have this year. And we're going to kick off with, I think, something that actually is more perennial for any design issue, especially when trying to stage or sell your home, personal items, photos and cleaning products being left around the house on a home open.
0: That's right. No one wants to see Auntie Betty on the wall. Sorry, Auntie Betty. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I think you need to look at the overall home, declutter those personal items so that people can walk into your home and get a really great first impression and also think about how they're going to live in your home so they don't need to see the kids paintings on the fridge they don't need to see um, your personal items on your dresses this can also very much come back to your wardrobes as well you know when you're staging and um, selling your home people want to look at your functional storage spaces and they will 100% open your pantry. They will definitely look in your wardrobe and they will probably definitely open your drawers too. So those, yeah, you know, people are nosy. (laughs) (laughs) That's such a good
1: idea though, the wardrobe. Yeah. Generally, all of our wardrobes, whether we like it or not, are never big enough. That's right. So would you suggest pulling out Two thirds of your clothes And putting it somewhere De- else Yes,
0: yes 100% huh. Let's get in that wardrobe Let's declutter Let's clean up the hamper No one wants to see your dirty laundry That might be sitting in the hamper In yes. your wardrobe Literally
1: or figuratively
0: That's right um, Everyone wants to walk in I know if I'm buying a home I want to see how big that walk-in wardrobe is And I want to see how much space I've got Versus what hubby's getting And where my shoe's going to go uh-huh. So declutter inside your store Spaces as well as clean your, your pantry, clean your pantry, tidy it up. First impressions, you only get one chance to make this impression last, and that comes right down to where all your personal items are going to be kept, and that's your storage
1: yeah. somewhere off property. Yes, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> then the storage room still has to look like a big right, enough for the storage That's right. So,
0: yeah, de- this is your opportunity to declutter and probably get rid of stuff that you don't need anymore. The less you have to move, the better.
1: Uh, sometimes you go to a uh, display village and they've got those fake personal photos and all that.
0: <laughs> I think it's a bit corny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think they're.
1: If we're models, can we have pers- our personal photos?
0: <laughs> it depends on how good you look. <laughs> Look, I think when it comes to display homes, they're actually trying to create a homely environment because sometimes those display homes can look a little bit stiff and, you know, they're trying to create a relaxed environment where people can imagine you know, it is a home versus a display village. So there's a fine line between it. I think just have some really nice artwork and styling accessories and things like that. I don't think you really need photo frames with personal pictures. And, or fake pictures. Yeah, or fake <laughs> pictures. Yeah, that's probably worse.
1: And I guess this ties into it. If Once you've decluttered your personal stuff, got rid of the toothpaste mark on the mirrors, <laughs> if it's not an interior designer, is it worth getting a friend to come in and go, there's too much stuff in here? This
0: has got your to go. The second too. opinion's always good. Yeah. yeah, fresh eyes. Whether it's a you know a designer, your friend to come in and just give a, an honest opinion. I know my mum even helped out a lady in her street a couple of weeks ago because the lady was selling a home and mum popped down there and she was like, you know, what do you think I should do here? And my mum literally just helped her declutter, put some cushions out, create a consistent colour scheme. And you know, my mum's not a designer as such, but
1: she's arm's length.
0: Yeah, arm's length. She It was her first impression to the home and she gave her top tips and that was putting the shampoo bottles away in the shower and tidying up the bench top in the bathroom, couple of candles, just all those tips that we do to create a nice aesthetic and flow throughout the home that's not expensive but definitely a second eye can help with that because you're living in your home every day and it's hard to sometimes separate yourself emotionally from this selling process and fresh eyes, whether it's a professional or not, can can often help with that.
1: So, the theme of this mistake is too much furniture. Give an example, right, of what that furniture might be that your mate down the road would Oversi- take out.
0: Um, Oversize, uh, coffee tables, you know, those types of things that you can move when you're um, selling the home. That is not going to create an easy passage flow if you've got anything blocking your entryway an oversized console unit because you keep
1: them for 10 years sometimes and yeah
0: like sometimes your furniture can just be too bulky it, it comes down to buying first and measuring later sometimes when we're styling and you know decorating our own homes so it's important that if you have made a mistake and you know you've made a mistake but obviously you're not going to go out and Re- buy, buy one yeah buy yeah. another one just move it out of the way you know there there might be an option just to pop some nice greenery and some plants in but move that big chunky console and maybe it could be just as simple as putting a mirror on the wall and creating a nice open plan feeling for the mirror to reflect the space but you're moving away that chunky piece of furniture
1: that is our third mistake having oversized furniture so we had mm. too much furniture now yeah. we've got oversized i'm just going to guess straight up the oversized couch and Oversized the overst- couch. Dining and the table.
0: Dining table. And even Silly. sometimes ottomans, like a lot of people might have a really nice big lounge, but they've got the adjoining ottoman that they use as the chase as such. And it's huge. Just get rid of the chase for your open house.
1: When I go over to people's houses, you've got this ma- amazing marshmallow, uh, you know, couches. <laughs> <And> they're <ugly. laughs> but they're just way too big and yeah. they're ugly. But it's like, oh, I could never get rid of this, please. I love yeah, it. Yeah,
0: exactly. So it creates comfort for us in our own home, but is not the greatest first impression for someone wanting. to imagine their own lounge in the home. Bring it down to pieces that will definitely fit the space and function for potential buyers to move around easily and feel like they're not being consumed by furniture and it can actually see the home.
1: One thing that I've definitely picked up on when I look at properties is Inconsistent themes and flows, right? Yeah, so, yeah. so what you've got is they've mum's done some work on the living room because she got sick and tired of it. So, the living room has this beautiful new uh, scandy look. And the kitchen's still still got the old dining Home table because, <laughs> you know, that's expensive to replace, but yeah. we haven't got there yet. Yeah. And the kid's room has got all the old black melamine furniture in there. <laughs> and then the other one's got the, the metal furniture in there. Yeah. And nothing matches because it's just decades or years of different investments.
0: Definitely. Yeah. That Look, that's a tough one when you've got so many different styles happening but i think that's where you might be able to use some styling pieces to kind of flow the color aesthetic through whether it's through cushions throws the greenery just try and pair back as much as you can and Maybe all the beds have some consistent quilt covers, so maybe you just go for nice fresh and white and they're just used for your open home days and your first initial photos. Uh, if you've got the option of getting rid of some of the chunky pieces in the kids' bedroom, so maybe there's a desk in there they're not using anymore, get rid of the desk, gives their, you know, some an extra bedside table that they're not using, get rid of that, make it look a little bit more functional and, and a larger space for kids to use and for people to potentially see as their teenager's room or whatever that might be all
1: right so i definitely agree this is one of the biggest mistakes right having the inconsistent themes if you Mm -hmm. had to choose one theme right now that we were going to look up on pinterest or instagram (laughs) what theme do you think would be the most cost effective and clean If we had to Google a word.
0: Oh, I think people would definitely go for Scandi. Okay. It's just the... It's just light. It's neutral. Yeah, you can get those kind of look from Kmart. You can get it from Target. You can get it from Ikea. You can get a little side table from Kmart for $29 Mm. in that Scandi light oak finish. That's what they're
1: doing right now, isn't it? Most of Kmart's home range is Scandi. It's right. They're
0: starting to move into some of the darker walnut colors now and and some of the darker velvets with the grays and not so much more on the blush side but I think people are definitely still looking at the oaks but I think the most important thing is to look at the demographic of people that are going to be buying, potentially buying your home.
1: All of this effort is worth nothing if you haven't actually thought about the sort of person who's buying from you. If you've styled this thing for a fresh young couple that's professional with all this tech and whatnot and and what you're in Mount Pleasant or Apple Cross and you've just built million-dollar downsizer townhouses that mm. for 70-year-olds, I guess you're off the mark.
0: Yes. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you need to definitely look at the type of people that, and are the area that you're in that could be potentially buying your house so this comes down to researching you could go to a few open homes yourself and have a look around what properties in the area are staged like or dressed like what the potential buyers style may be like in the age range that you're marketing to whether it's families whether it is downsizes whether it's young couples and, yeah, what are they going to be interested in? How do you think their spaces are going to function? Are they going to need two or three lounge rooms or are they going to need a, a more of a home office setup? Anything where you think you can stage that effectively for a good price that's going to suit the potential buyer.
1: Give me a couple of examples here per demographic. If I'm looking to stage properly without making mistakes for a downsizer, what are a couple of things that they want to see in terms of their interior design?
0: I think a downsizer, uh, they're they're going to want to see functional living spaces because they may not be looking for a, a huge four-bedroom, three-living area home. So maybe they've got one living room, but they want that to function with an easy, accessible dining room as well, say. So maybe their dining room might have more comfier chairs that they use, you know, day in, day out. More they might, function
1: over style. Yeah,
0: more function over style. They might have two separate lounge suites versus a modular lounge. You know, if they're downsizing... And they're a little bit older. Is it easier and access for two separate lounges? Maybe... um, Some lazy boys. Yes, maybe some lazy (laughs) boys. Um, But maybe, you know, husband and wife, they like their own lounge each. So, and they might want easy accessible coffee tables and side tables versus a big lounge with, you know, a chase. So, I think easy, accessible, comfortable furniture. So with a,
1: with a, Maybe would the second or third room have styling for the grandkids?
0: Yeah, it could be. Yeah, that's actually a really good idea. You might need spaces for the grandkids to come over Some and stay. It's really
1: stereotypical, way too young stuff for the 13-year-old yeah. grandkids. Yes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes, for sure. So, yeah, I think just functional spaces for a different demographic is really important.
1: Finally, on the young couple side... I guess it becomes less, a slightly less. Obviously, obviously, it's functional, but less functional and more cool. Should yeah. we be trying to add in things like. Google Home and just techie stuff that yeah, wow people? I think people. techie
0: stuff's really cool. I think uh, a lot of people are looking at that kind of thing, whether it's Siri or... Coffee you know, machines. The, uh, yeah, built-in coffee machines. I think for kitchen environments, you know, bar stools, um, off the kitchen bench, more of an opportunity for an entertainment setup. So they might have lots of friends and people over on the weekend, so they might have an outside area that's fresco entertainment or... A couple of wine
1: bottles yeah. some wooden platter board yeah, those, things those am I getting a little bit too yeah. stereotypical no
0: I think that's great you know people want to be able to imagine how they could entertain in that home whether it's around the kitchen bench or it's outside or a lounge room that's Functions easy with lots of people. So that could be separate armchairs opposite the lounge so that people can imagine having a good conversation in that space. Okay. Yeah.
1: Well, I think we've covered that. There's some real mistakes there that people are making all the time that I see. One, they're not matching their work to their buyer. Two, the every room has got something else going on. Three within those rooms, the furniture, some pieces of furniture, especially the couches and the dining tables, are massive. Yes, they've got too much clutter going on in the yeah, furniture anyway because there's too many your ideas. Clean wardrobe, clean yeah. the wardrobe, <laughs> and then the personal stuff. Just get rid of it. Take it out. Move it out already.
0: That's right. Yeah, yeah. Put the toothbrush away. Put your shampoo away. No one needs to know what products you use.
1: Kelly Donegat, cheers for coming in. Appreciate it. Thank I you. Have you in soon.
0: No worries. All
1: right, suburb spotlight time now and we are talking about Cavisham, an area that you wouldn't expect me maybe to bring up a lot given that it's more of a house and land area. But uh, it's an interesting spot, I think, because there's a bit of history here that I think is worth talking about and some older zoned properties uh, out there with more of a lifestyle opportunity. To help us out with this conversation, we've got our number one agent, it's Liz DeChinkway from Jones & Co. Property. Liz, thanks for coming in.
2: Thanks so much for having me, Trent.
1: Cavisham is not an area that I drive through too often, unless I'm going to a family friend's place. Why? Because I don't see too many development opportunities there, given it's a pretty new development, but in an older suburb, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it's got a long history dating back to the 1920s where, you know, there was lots of farming out there with, with wineries and all of that. But most recently there's been some patches of development with some really nice areas where you can get a property for a young family or a young couple at a reasonable price. But there was also in the 90s uh, some de- development that happened and they are larger lots, older properties, which are now becoming more attractive for 1st home buyers as well.
1: It's nice to have those different lifestyle options for people if they want to live at the gateway of what is one of Perth's best attractions, the Swan Valley.
2: Yeah, it's so close to the Swan Valley. You're surrounded by wineries like the Sanderford Winery is just across the road on West Swan Road and there's some great little cafes and funk cider, quite a lot of places for people to go as well as uh, lots of parkland within the area for families to take the kids to and you know take the dog for a run on the weekend so yeah it's a it's a really diverse area with a, a really nice mix of lot sizes from you know really tiny little lots at 185 square meters right through to one that I sold recently which was on over 2,300 square meters so a really good mix of property out there.
1: Would it be fair to say that there's still many more years of development and continued uh gentrification in the area uh given there's still quite a lot of space for the house and land packages to be built out in the next cycle i guess you would say
2: yeah within taylor's estate there's still quite a few sections available that are still coming there's some areas that are still classified as uh, swan valley special rural whether or not that changes over time and they continue to open up for more development but you know with the distance from the city only being about 17 kilometers and being able to get something so reasonably priced in that area, I think it's a more attractive option than having to be, you know, 60, 70 kilometers from the city to get something in a similar price range.
1: For me, it's definitely a much more attractive option than your Ellenbrook, Averley, another 20 minute drive yes. for the same sort of lifestyle, the same location, same demographic uh, culture of people around that Swan Valley, the Guildford, Bassendine, Gateway. If I had the choice of those two areas, I'd be going to Cavisham every day of the week. You mentioned Taylor's Estate. Yes. There's a few more estates
2: One of the original first, well, newer sections in Cavisham was called Brookley Estate and then Taylor's Estate followed. And then there's a Brookley East Estate that was then established and also Balwyn Park Estate is now, and that's actually continuing to open up some blocks of land in that section. And Suffolk Park Estate is another subdivision that that's happened within the area all of those are within within walking distance of the shopping centre which is fantastic having a Coles in there and newsagent and then there's also the older part of Cavisham I referred to as old Cavisham with love obviously but Mm. it's larger lot sizes of around 600 square meters with you know, four by twos on, like I mentioned earlier, that are around 20 years old. But you can pick something like that up for a similar price to one of the smaller lots with a newer property on. So for some buyers, that's a much more attractive option.
1: Which would be the more premium estate?
2: Well, the people of Taylor's estate like to think that Taylor's is the more premium. Okay, and the yep. people of Brooklyn estate like to think it's Brooklyn Okay. Um, Brookley and Taylor's Estate, I think, have the premier location from a hop, skip and a jump point of view to the school that's currently under construction as well as the shops right next door to where the school's being built and the community centre and the sprawling parkland. So there's a really large park, William Henry Oval, that's right next door to the community centre school. So really all the the best facilities, I guess, are much closer to Taylor's and Brookley. Balwyn Estate is closer to Sandalford Winery, so if you're a bit of a Wine buff, um, you might like to be able to walk down <laughs> down a few hundred meters to get be, to uh, dangerous Dangerous
1: weekend jaunt, wouldn't it?
2: <laughs> yes, yep. And Suffolk Park has got its own uh, lovely outdoor area, which has got a real mix of playgrounds for kids and working out area, and yeah, a big playing field as well. So they've got a really nice oval there. But that would probably be closer to places like Funk Cider and Mason St Henoir, which is a beautiful particular. French patisserie that's opened up on Benara Road, which has become extremely popular with locals as well as many from outside the area.
1: Let's talk about prices. Sure. You mentioned we can get pretty small and obviously we're seeing some tiny lots and small lots happening in land estates these days. What are we paying for these smaller lots?
2: The 185 square metre lots are around the one hundred and eighty thousand mark and you can get a a three by two townhouse on those properties generally a lot of those are being built ready to go and you can purchase them straight up what
1: sort of price range will we be looking to buy these at
2: under four hundred thousand yeah usually around the three ninety nine mark i think a lot of the builders are advertising for you can get something like that which is you know obviously more of an apartment townhouse type living which is close to the shopping centre literally only a couple hundred metres away. So so that's not a bad option if you want really low maintenance living, not having to worry about the garden then you can go up to a sort of 300 square metre lot from there probably or 225 square metre lots. Um, Yeah, so I've seen quite a few properties like that available in the area recently for around the 350 to 400 mark.
1: There's that difference between the established property and the house and land option. Are Are you finding that the established properties are maybe selling at a bit of a discount at the moment?
2: Definitely, yeah. It's definitely much more affordable to get into the established market right now, the prices have just come back so much that it's a much more affordable option. And I'm finding that I'm hearing that from buyers coming through home opens that they were looking at building, but it just wasn't an affordable option for them.
1: Exactly right. I think that's a main theme I want to take out of this conversation today is that in a lot of these house and land suburbs, of which Cabisham I would say, be one of the better options to choose, really should be looking first at getting value out of these two to five-year-old established house and land options that are there and as a buyer you're making that saving off of the seller who's making that loss over the market and it is what it is if they're selling it's for a reason and if you want to come into that area and establish your family in the i can't see a more economical and feasible way than buying established
2: yeah i would agree 100% how
1: expensive can it get though
2: Well, I have just had a property go under offer, which is in the 900,000s. And that's on a 2,300 square meter block and a beautiful big five by three property with a pool and 100 square meter shed. So that's A record sale price in the residential type area then you can cross west one road and and hop over into the more semi-rural type properties which there have been some sell in the five millions and six millions these are your hobby farms aren't they yeah and absolutely resort style living you know those sorts of properties do go for in the millions but yeah for a, a residential type property on 500 square meter block you can get a really nice four by two for under five hundred thousand right now
1: do you think that the uh, hobby farm small wineries part of Cavisham will continue to be Cavisham in the future and uh, be that light and shade uh, of Cavisham or do you think that at some point uh, it'll be split off as a different suburb or do you think that there might be plans in the future to be infilling in those areas as well?
2: I hope it stays as Cavisham. I think there's a lot of history there and it's important to remember that. Um, I think the plan is to try and preserve that because of the Swan Valley special rural zoning that there is. So I, I know that there are plans to try and preserve that. I think it would be a shame for it to be changed because of the, the long history dating back to, to the 20s when they used to have the, the Cavisham show, sorry. and uh, you know, the locals were able to bring in their produce that they had grown and show it and win awards. and yeah. and they've you know, they maintained some of the the locals' names like Mr. Taylor who, won his award for his prize winning raisins. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> back in the twenties. So, you know, he's Parking no- back to that
1: heritage, I think, especially in a heritage area like the Swan Valley yeah. is important. I just can't help but notice as I drive down West Swan Road that you do have these days development for good or bad, it's your own perspective. Yes. A butting now these smaller wineries and you wonder is that where it's going to stop or will it eventually continue on to the point of the river
2: essentially yeah i guess um there is a lot of tourism still in the area and it would be a shame to see the small wineries go and just the the larger ones surviving i would love to know what's going to happen in the future hopefully i'm around to see it (laughs) well i would have thought so (laughs) uh
1: still very sprightly liz (laughs) i guess it's going to be a very small conversation about this but Development opportunities. Yeah, you mentioned that there are twenty three hundred square meter lots, but we also know that these are more of buffer zone lots that are zoned not for development. Yes, that's correct. Most of the houses here, are obviously, you know, house and land size three four hundred square meter lots, so these aren't development options either. Mm-hmm. The old estates, they're not zoned for development, I assume.
2: No, there's not really been a lot of opportunity for subdivision within those most of those lots are less than 700 square meters and twenty. yeah, r20. R20. yeah, yeah. Okay. so that was my maybe my last little question yeah there. yeah i've um i've just recently listed one which is 700 square meters and it's definitely still r20 zoning so whether that changes in the future or not will be interesting to see but i don't think there are any plans in the immediate future to to do anything differently.
1: Well, to be frank, rezoning and development happens because the local government thinks the area generally needs renewal. And realistically, the area doesn't really need renewal. I mean, it is an older Mm. estate, but 1990s builds are not in need of renewal. Yes. So until we get to a point where, uh, as a culture, we're looking at moving into 300 square metres for r 20 sort of uh, idea, uh, I don't see any reason why this area isn't served its purpose for many more years to come
2: yeah I agree and there's plenty of land there right now that's already being developed and able to be built on so mm. I, I agree
1: Liz last question sure. what's the median house price in Cavisham
2: Four forty for
1: you could buy a lot with property. that couldn't you
2: you certainly can yeah you can get an average 4 by 2 on 450 square meter block for that price which is only about 5 or 6 years old so it's good value for money
1: in the house and land area are we still looking for as much land as possible or are we looking to get the best deal we can on the highest most overspec house and land package that's dropped in the last couple of years? What are we focusing on if we if we're trying to squeeze every dollar in are we mm. are we like an established suburb looking at trying to get the most land or are we trying to squeeze the best deal on some
2: luxury? I found there's been a bit of a shift in the last 12 months. With the buyers that I've met, most of them are looking for getting as much land as possible and willing to take a, an older property for the same price as maybe a much smaller lot of land with a newer higher spec property so first home buyers in particular seem to be looking for value in the land size rather than the spec they still like all the all the nice um, things yeah stone bench tops and you know if the property's got reverse ducted air conditioning then that's a bonus but i am finding there's just a bit of a a push towards the larger lot sizes rather than the small 300 square meter lot with a brand new up-specced property. Well, so. we
1: have some smart buyers, it seems, more informed.
2: Yes, yeah, exactly. So it's it's quite refreshing to see that change actually because a, f- a couple of years ago, those properties were quite tricky to move and now they're getting snapped up like hotcakes by 1st home buyers in the area.
1: Bonus question, where do sure. you think Cavisham will be in a year's time?
2: In a year's time, I think that it will start to improve. I think the market will come up a bit, from where it's at at the moment. I think it's hit rock bottom. It feels mm. that way anyway. So I'm, I'm hoping that it will be better than what it currently is. It's hard to know how much it's going to change, but I think being so close to the airport, so close to the city, so convenient, um, I think it's going to, to start to come up when the economy improves.
1: I would have thought so too. It probably is a little bit of a barometer area given yep. that House and land packages in in itself are a barometer for the economy. Cavisham being, for me, one of the more preferred house and land suburbs still, yep. uh, it will be one of the first to, to recognise any growth that Perth as an economy sees.
2: Yeah, I think so. It's definitely held its own a lot more than some of the... F- suburbs that are further out that you mentioned earlier, like Avely and Ellenbrook. They've really taken a bit more of a hit.
1: Liz, thank you very much for coming in. I appreciate uh, the chat. No problem at all. Let's hope that in a year's time we have some much more exciting things to say about Cavisham.
2: Yes, I hope so. Thanks for having me along, Trent.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburbs spotlights. Happy hunting!